Are you a fan of young adult novels? Have you ever wondered the stories behind the people who wrote your favorite young adult novels? Then join author Eric J. Brown and Alyssa Lube of Netflix's The Circle every other Tuesday on YAOK. Available on all podcasting apps. Woo! Meanwhile, in New Jersey... So, Marissa, what talking points do you want to hit on in this week's episode? Well, Jackie, let's talk about how the film addresses the patriarchy. Ooh, and representation of marginalized people. Ooh, ooh, and even philosophical ramifications of good versus evil and horror. We can point out the triangle boobs, talk about the blood splatter, and, oh, the practical effects. <sighs> um, and also the male gaze? My gaze at the males... Hi From feminism to fangirling, the Jersey Ghouls cover all the bases of horror from a woman's perspective. New episodes are uploaded every other Sunday. Just search Jersey Ghouls to find us on social media and your favorite podcasting app. Are you a fan of young adult novels? Have you ever wondered the stories behind the people who wrote your favorite young adult novels? Then join author Eric J. Brown and Alyssa Lube of Netflix's The Circle every other Tuesday on YAOK. Available on all podcasting apps. Woo! Hey everybody and welcome to another bonus episode of Horror Movie Night. This week I am joined with arguably the most appropriate named family to be making horror films. The Adams Family is here. Uh, we are sitting here with Zelda, Lulu, John, and Toby. Do I Did I nail all of those? Because I'm did. pulling from memory. Okay, awesome. Uh, just checked out the movie last night, Hellbender. Um I know that this is pretty much as there's other people in this movie for sure, but this is essentially just the four of you for 95% of the movie. And that's including everything, including, I have to say one kick-ass score. I'm loving, <laughs> I loved the music in this movie. <laughs> Thank you. Right on. So I know that you two, the, the, the whole family has been all kind of doing different things. How do you decide who ends up in what positions? You know, the director's chair, the actor's chair, all of that stuff. How does that get determined? Yeah, well, we've all kind of been doing it for 12 years. So we've gotten to kind of decide, oh, who likes what position? Who is has a really good skill set as a producer, as a writer, as a director, I think that we all love and are good at the directing chair. So we each have our own perspectives as directors. And many times we shoot a lot of scenes our own personal ways. And then in the editing process, we decide, you know, which way it turns out best. And then uh, individually, I think that we all just share really unique skills. Like Toby's a fantastic writer. I think we all are, you know, good writers, but Toby's really good at putting everything into detailed, wonderful, unique written form. John is wonderful with music, you know, so there's so many wonderful different skill sets and it's, it's, it's so great getting to mix all of them together as a family and as filmmakers. Yeah. Also something to add is just necessity sometimes <laughs> based off of, you know, there's four of us in this movie right now 
who are we getting in this shot right now? Okay, Lulu's the only one offering shots. Yeah. You go take the camera and the sound. Well, that's... Okay, now we're catching Zelda. We're going to do Lulu at Zelda's uh, cameraman. <laughs> well, one of my favorite uh, movie credits of all time is, I think it's Kevin Smith's Clerks. It says, boom mic operator, whoever could hold the pole at that time. <laughs> and it's like... <laughs> And it's like, exact, that is low budget filmmaking in its on, most honest form, right? Like, you're not going to be able to afford a boom mic operator. Who's not in the scene? Hold the boom. <laughs> like, uh, so with, with this particular film, there were three people listed as directors. How did you go about parsing that out? Like, did Zelda direct specific character scenes and Toby direct other scenes? Or was it just kind of who wasn't directly in front of the camera at that time took over the director's seat? How, how did you work that out? Often it's really a collaboration. And then if we don't share the same vision for the scene, we'll just shoot it three or four different ways. And, and we, because we have the luxury of being able to do that. We also go home that night and edit and see which kind of works better. And if none of them work, when they, then we go back the next day and reshoot it all. But it really is a collaboration and and just, just to see who maybe some people have more, you know, stock in a certain scene than others. But yeah, it's a democracy, 100%. I love that. And and so you're direct you're you're editing it as you're making it that I'm curious. I know that this isn't the norm for filmmaking, but obviously also indie filmmaking is never the norm. Do you try to shoot as close to in order as possible in that sense so you can see how it's cutting together as you go along or is it just that you're shooting it like a normal film kind of out of sequence and just seeing how those individual pieces look i think we kind of know what the, the, we know the general story we know and so we don't mind shooting out of sequence and so we shoot by convenience if like especially with hellbender there was dream sequences there was um just regular you know um drama sets and it depends on where we are what's going on whether it's raining or foggy or whatever so we don't mind shooting out a sequence and it helps us understand like actually shooting out a sequence can really help because you can see where you have to get to yeah and that helps you so there's a lot of advantages to not having to shoot in sequence and not having a schedule and like you said it's a huge advantage to be able to go home look at it like do a really rough cut and look at it, make sure you got it and if you didn't to go get it again yeah no for sure and i guess that there's a huge benefit too of um you know being a family because it's not like you're calling some actor back to set afterwards to to refilm a scene a couple months later it's just yelling up to Zelda at her room and saying that we got to refilm something. <laughs> you just nailed it. That is exactly how it's done. <laughs> Z, forget about your homework. We're going to go back out and shoot. Yeah, You need to eat more worms. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I, the concept of this movie is a lot of fun. And you mentioned the dream sequences. I have to say that the visuals in those dream sequences and there's, there's a lot of... Um, I want to say it almost reminds me of a lot of like 70s psychedelic horror kind of blended into this movie, which I didn't expect because it doesn't hint at that in the first half of the movie. And then as it really starts to cut loose, there is a lot of I almost see like a bit of an Italian horror influence in some of the dream sequences going on. What were some of the influences that y'all were pulling together when making this? Cool. Yeah. I mean, wow. Super great that you said that. Um <laughs> To be honest, the dream sequences 
were a, a happy mistake that happened. We have a band called Hellbender yeah. as a family. And we were, we had cut together a video early. Actually, it's the reason we made the movie Hellbender. And we made some mistakes, some weird things happened when we were editing the footage together. And we loved the mistakes. They were super colorful. It was something that just happened. Um, and we fell in love with it. And then we, we tried to figure out, well, how did we make that mistake? And, and then we learned how to make it not a mistake. So those, <laughs> those psychedelic kind of sequences came from an accident. And then we, we shot for them because we loved the way it looked. It looks really colorful. And we wanted to have that otherworldly color. Matt, we also were uh, traveling around the country. It was, you know, COVID and Zelda was remote schooling anyway. And yeah. Lulu was uh, just out of college out in the Northwest. <clears throat> so we were traveling around in a, in a trailer for half a year. And, um, and so nature itself was giving us all these insane, extreme, you know, cinematic vistas to shoot. So like some of them, some of the weird things you're thinking of would literally be um, us on a seaweed strewn beach on the coast of Maine, yeah. you know, or like in hot thermal hot baths somewhere in the, in the West. <clears throat> and so nature was kind of throwing us all that psychedelia too. Yeah. And I think that there's been, I think there's been a lot of movies, uh, especially that came out of the fantastic fest world. I know you had a play played at fantastic fest as well, but we're seeing a lot of these brilliant I, I don't want to call them COVID horror movies because they're not about COVID, but they're like films where people had to work with the limitations that they had that are absolutely incredible. And I feel like Hellbender falls right in there with something like a previous guest on the show, uh, Emily Bennett with Alone With You, where it's just like doing so much with your limitations to make something that is almost scarier and more psychological because you have that limitation. You don't have you know, a house party scene like in Scream where you've got 200 extras walking around. It's just, these are the people that we have in the location that we have. How do we make it spooky? <laughs> we love Emily Bennett and, and, alone, Justin, and, yeah. and Justin and Alone With You is a terrific movie. They really nailed that loneliness thing so well. And I think right now, so many people can relate with being alone. So these these kind of, these movies people are relating to at least that's what it feels for us we're, we're really happy that people are accepting our kind of vision of how we felt in covid yeah, yeah and, and honestly we've always worked with with what we have in front of us and i think there's something to be said i think in many ways that's a gift because you're really focused on the story you're not just focused on the trinkets you're focused on the body as opposed to the all the adornment you can throw in there um, and I personally like that in a movie. Yeah, and I, I think the locale is so perfect for it too. Like you feel that isolation. Like when when uh, I'm I can't believe I'm blanking on names. Izzy and who, who Zelda? What's your Amber. characters? Em, Emily? What did you say? Oh, Amber. Oh, mine Amber. Is Amber. Amber. Yeah. Yes. So when you have those two characters, where it's like they essentially live almost like neighbors, but it's such a wide divide and a break between all these people. And, you know, I, I live in Pennsylvania. I live maybe two hours away from the Pocono Mountains. And when you go up even into those small towns, it's like every house is so separate from each other that it's like, how do you not feel that lonely isolation all the time? So it's not unreasonable 
that these two characters could be neighbors and never meet each other up until that point. Yeah, that's the way it really is, actually. Yeah, here in the Catskills, Zelda's nearest neighbors, I don't know, four miles away. You know, like you don't, it's like, that is the way it is. I grew up in that same kind of environment too, where I had to walk a mile and a half to get to my friend's house. And yeah. it's, it's cool. And it's also interesting that a lot of people don't know that world. Well, because you know, so, so many other people live on top of each other. <laughs> like, right. Yeah. So it is kind of like it's odd to people. So that's cool. It's not really odd to us. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of the norm. So everyone listening, if if you're liking the concepts that we're talking about, the ideas, I, I don't want to dive too much into what the movie is because the movie has so many twists and turns already. It's dropping on Shutter. It'll be there probably by the time this comes out. Right? I think we're le- releasing this at the end of the month. It'll already be on Shutter at that point. Go check out Hellbender. Uh, is there anything that you can tell the listeners? A, just you know why they should watch this great movie, but also what's what's next for the family? Yeah, well, um, we've got some real kick-ass, you know, rock and roll in the, in the movie too, because uh, Hellbenders also like to rock out <laughs> <laughs> from their mountaintops and. Uh, and then when we do have a, a soundtrack coming out later in the spring as well with our band Hellbender, which is Hellbender, but the E's are sixes. Yeah. And then we're working on our next film already, When the Devil Roams. <laughs> nice. Yeah. When the Devil Roams takes place in the 1930s. And it's kind of a cross between Frankenstein and Bonnie and Clyde. So I'm excited for everyone to get to experience that too. Oh, that's <laughs> fun. I like that. A period piece, Frankenstein, Bonnie and Clyde. You're speaking my language. <laughs> 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 All right. Well, we will be back with even more horror movie night content. But in the meantime, if you've just finished listening to this, you should be hopping over to Shutter and checking out Hellbender. It is there waiting for you. Go watch it. Meanwhile, in New Jersey... So, Marissa, what talking points do you want to hit on in this week's episode? Well, Jackie, let's talk about how the film addresses the patriarchy. Ooh, and representation of marginalized people. Ooh, ooh, and even philosophical ramifications of good versus evil and horror. We can point out the triangle boobs, talk about the blood splatter, and, oh, the practical effects. (sighs) Um, and also the male gaze? My gaze at the males. From feminism to fangirling, the Jersey Ghouls cover all the bases of horror from a woman's perspective. New episodes are uploaded every other Sunday. Just search Jersey Ghouls to find us on social media and your favorite podcasting app. Are you a fan of young adult novels? Have you ever wondered the stories behind the people who wrote your favorite young adult novels? Then join author Eric J. Brown and Alyssa Lube of Netflix's The Circle every other Tuesday on YAOK. Available on all podcasting apps. Woo! Meanwhile, in New Jersey... So, Marissa, what talking points do you want to hit on in this week's episode? Well, Jackie... Let's talk about how the film addresses the patriarchy. Ooh, and representation of marginalized people. Ooh, ooh, and even philosophical ramifications of good versus evil and horror. We can point out the triangle boobs, talk about the blood splatter, and oh, the practical effects. <sighs> um, and also the male gaze. My gaze at the males. Hi-oh! Hi-oh! 
From feminism to fangirling, the Jersey Ghouls cover all the bases of horror from a woman's perspective. New episodes are uploaded every other Sunday. Just search Jersey Ghouls to find us on social media and your favorite podcasting app. You're listening to the Geekscape Network. 